I honestly couldn't think of any higher calling. And on April 14, 1986, I had this unbelievable honor of getting invited into the Oval Office to meet the President of the United States of America, Ronald Reagan, on behalf of all of America's teachers. He'd kept me waiting for over an hour and a half because <laughs> he was lining up the bombing of Libya, which took place that day. So the first thing I said to him when I finally got into the Oval Office was I said, Mr. President, I don't appreciate being kept waiting. <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> and I came into the Oval Office and he held out his hand, just like Mr. Carter had held out his. Just like I trust you hold out yours. He said, I saw you on Good Morning America this morning. That impressed me, because I'd read that he didn't get up that early. <laughs> and then he quoted me. He said, when you said you don't teach English or speech or world literature, but you said you teach students, you teach kids. He says, well, that reminded me of some of those teachers I had when I was growing up. And then he reached into the vest pocket of his coat and he pulled out a piece of his individualized note card stationery, his gold embossed presidential seal and his name in gold embossed letters across the top of this little note card stationery. And he said, I came across this poem, he said, back during my Iowa days. He said it was written by Clark Mollenhoff, who was a journalist for the Des Moines Register. And Mr. Mollenhoff wrote this poem as a tribute to his mother who retired after 41 years as a country school teacher in a one-room schoolhouse in Iowa. Talk about a legacy, huh? And he said, better than anything else I've ever read, he said, this poem explains just how important all of you are who work with kids especially you teachers. Well, if you don't mind, I'd like to read it to you. And I said, oh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> You're catching on. And so he held the poem, and he looked me right in the eye. Before I share it with you, after I got that poem, one day I was reading some scripture and I came across this letter of Paul's to the Corinthians. And Paul writes in the second letter, chapter 3, beginning with verse 2, and I'm paraphrasing it, you know, because I'm from Minnesota and Paul was Norwegian too. <laughs> and he, he wrote, he said, uh, he says, don't you know? Don't you know your life is a letter that everybody is reading? Just think about that for a minute. I think by far the most valuable lessons that we teach are the lessons we teach when we don't even know we're teaching them. Your life is a letter that everybody else is reading. What do people read when they read the letter of your life? 
And then Paul goes on, he says, but your life isn't a letter that's written on a tablet with a pen. It's not that kind of letter. Your life is a letter that's written on the tablet of the human heart. Wow. Your life's a letter written on the tablet of the human heart. And the president held the poem and he looked me right in the eye. Teachers, you are the molders of their dreams. The gods who build or crush their young beliefs of right and wrong. You are the spark that sets aflame the poet's hand or lights the flame of some great singer's song. You are the god of the young, the very young. You are the guardian of a million dreams. Your every smile or frown can heal or pierce a heart. Yours are a hundred lives, a thousand lives. Yours is the pride of loving them and the sorrow too. Your patient work your touch. Make you the gods of hope who fill their souls with dreams to make those dreams come true. And when he was finished reading it, there were tears streaming down my face. I was embarrassed. But the president looked at me and he saw how moved I was. He got big tears in his eyes. And then when I saw how moved he was, that moved me more. It was a very moving moment. And then he looked at me and said, Well, I wrote this out in kind of a hurry. If you don't mind my chicken scratches, you can have it. His own handwriting. I took it and stared at it. I couldn't believe, oh, improper punctuation. <laughs> but molders of dreams, that's what y'all are. And we gotta reach them to teach them, dear ones. We gotta reach them to teach them. So, molders of dreams, that's what you are. I love that video. In fact, uh, I just saw it again this week. Uh, Chuck Atkinson sent it to Lori, and she was watching it uh, just before we were, you know, drifting off uh, for the night in bed. And, and uh, so the next day, I just couldn't help but keep thinking about that video. And so I told Lori, I said, it, it's goes along with what I want to try to share with the congregation. So I think, I think our people will put up with it because 
we have so many teachers in our congregations. I mean, we have a lot of teachers that are still in the classroom, but we have a lot of teachers that were in the classroom and now retired from the classroom. And so, um, and I just love uh, the impact, you know, just a reminder. And it makes sense why Chuck would send it to his teaching uh, friends about that. You know, um, teachers play a huge role in our lives. And it's not just the teachers in the school system, although that's the huge part of where teachers play a role in our lives. But it's, it's also Sunday school teachers and, you know, just grandparents who are constantly teaching their grandkids uh, things. And, uh, but teachers play a huge part in our lives. And I think out of all the teachers in my life, I can think of one, maybe two, well, probably just one, actually, that was somewhat I would consider a negative influence on my life, right? And I'm not even going to tell you this story because uh, it's not important. But so one, right? But I can think of a whole lot, maybe that, I mean, many that played, maybe not a huge significant role, but played a role in my life. But most of my teachers through school played a huge role. Like they deposited a significant amount of influence in my life, positive influence in my life. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just, I think about it a lot, you know, in different situations about uh, how these people have influenced and, uh, you know, for me, for who I am. Um, so we've been having this conversation as a church the last few Sundays just about as we go into Thanksgiving, how to be thankful and what are we going to be thankful for? And I started off a couple of weeks ago just having this conversation, you know, how, how do we, how do we be thankful, you know, in our lives? And, and the three things that we kind of looked at is thankfulness requires a good memory. These are things that we looked at when we were camping as well as when I came back here to preach to you. But that's, that's one of the things that thankfulness, if you want to be a thankful person, it requires remembering all the things to be thankful for, you know, uh, just like the old song, uh, count your many blessings, name them one by one. And it takes somebody that would take time and pause for a minute and just remember all the things that we would be thankful for, which leads to being thankful requires a good perspective. And which we concluded in that as thankfulness requires humility. Um, and then last week we talked about just something that I was thinking, like, what am I the most thankful for? And I was just trying to make my list. And one of the things that was at the very top of my list was I'm so thankful for the Word of God. Just like what we talked about last week, how would we even know what God is? I mean, like, what, do you, what is He like? Uh, how does He behave? What does He think? And it's because of the Word of God. You know, without that, everybody just makes up their own God and who knows what you have and who's right and wrong. And so the only thing we have is the Word of God that helps us know God. Um, And we get it all mixed up if we don't, if we're not here in the Word of God. Um, And so that's something I'm just super thankful for is is the Word of God. And so this week, I just wanted us to focus a little bit on this because another thing that's at the top of my list is this the people in my life that have helped influence my walk with Jesus? You know, my teachers in my life. 
uh, that just help me. You know, they help me stay on the right path. They, when they nudge me, they, they correct me, they rebuke me, they, they do whatever they need to do in order for me to just continue to have this walk uh, with Jesus. And so who are those? I just want to pause for a moment and just ask you, who are those in your life? Now, I know that it can be really numerous. Like, you know, there's so many people that are influenced in this and in little ways and great ways. Uh, and I don't want you to try to come up with the top three, like the number three, because I think that's kind of too difficult. But just think of what are the first three people that come to your mind who help you in your walk with Jesus Christ? And as soon as you come up with those three, I just want you to raise your hand so I know that we can move on. See, it doesn't take very much time, does it? Now, you can't story because I'm going to have you do something with that here in a minute. But how many? Are you ready? Okay, here's what I want you to do. And just take a moment here, and I just make the quickest text, and I know how fast you are at this. Just say, thank you so much for helping me in my walk with Jesus. Just text that to three people right now. I'm not going to go on unless you do it, so you got to get those fingers going. Three people. It doesn't have to be all the people. I know that you have a lot of people. We don't do this enough, do we? See, once you get the first one done, you can just copy and paste. That's what I do. Oh, somebody got one. Am I the only one doing this? Are you guys that fast? (laughs) This is the only time you have permission, Devin. Okay, I got my three done. So I'm going to go ahead and move on. But I, I do think that that's worth doing. You know, uh, I debated whether we should do that because I know that it would take some time to think through that. But I do think that we don't do that enough. To think about who is really influenced in our life, which is important in our walk with Jesus, but to uh, let them know how much we appreciate them, I think is important as well. Um, you know, our walk with Jesus is should be top priority. And I know that's why you're here this morning, is because it is a top priority in your life. Um, but there are people in our lives that are constantly helping us with this. He, he was, when he was talking about Scripture, he was talking about Second Corinthians chapter 3. And I'm just going to read a little bit of what he was talking about there, because he was paraphrased, and I thought maybe we would just look at the, the words. But it's Second Corinthians chapter 3, 1 through 3, and it says... Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? And Paul, we talked about this in Sunday school class this morning, but Paul was, he was always kind of having to uh, let people know that he was genuine, like he was a, 
an authentic apostle. Because to be an apostle, that means you had to walk with Jesus, talk with Jesus, you know, be around Jesus' resurrection body, um, and uh, that you had to be appointed by Jesus uh, for this job, you know. So it had to be all of those things. And obviously, Matthew, Mark, Luke, you know, uh, Andrew, and James, and John, and all of you know, the disciples uh, fit the bill. But uh, Paul, he came in later, you know, because Jesus had already uh, been crucified and rose from the dead and gone into heaven to prepare a place for us. And Paul was persecuting Christians, trying to kill them. And then Jesus came, as it says in Acts chapter 9, in a bright light, blinded him, and, you know, uh, converted him over to Christianity. And that's when he was given the authority to be an apostle. And he did fit the bill because he did see Jesus face to face and he was appointed by Jesus. But if you can imagine, a whole lot of people were constantly questioning his credentials or whether he really was an authentic person. And so through trying to have this conversation, which he had so many times with so many people, He says, do I really need to send another letter of recommendation to you? He says, you yourselves are the letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. And he was just using his influence and how he's made a difference in all of the places he's planted church as his evidence that he is the genuine thing. And we do the same thing, right? We are constantly uh, affecting or influencing other people. And what is our end result? Like, what are we accomplishing by the way that we are influencing people? You know, you, don't, you, you influence people for Jesus when you influence people for Jesus intentionally. You have to be intentional about this. You have to be genuine. You have to be a genuine follower. And so, you know, the Bible is always uh, pointing this out. What I wanted to do just quickly is give you seven steps in order to be effective in influencing people uh, for Jesus. And the first one is... Well, first of all, let me just say this. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, he says to his uh, disciples, those who are wanting to follow him, he says, follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. Follow me and I will show you how to influence other people for me. I will show you how to draw people to God. So just follow me, be like me, act like me, you know, what's interesting is Paul, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. In, in other words, he's doing exactly what Jesus called people to do, right? He called Paul to follow him, and so Paul followed him, and the next thing he knows, he is behaving like Jesus, and so now he's able to say to other people, Follow me as I follow Christ. And this should be something that we are always constantly striving to do, is to be able to just 
simply live our lives in a way that we are representing Jesus everywhere we go. So whether we are teaching in a classroom or we are working at uh, Walmart or McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or wherever it would be, right? That we are trying to live our lives as a witness, as an example, so that people would know what it means or what it's like to follow Jesus. So I just want to give you seven steps in order to do a good job at this. Because I think that that's something we all want to do a good job at. Here's the first thing, and that is live. And what that means is, is just live your life as a light into a dark world. You know, let your light shine. That's what Matthew 5, verse 16 says, Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds. And when they see your good deeds, what are they going to do? Glorify you, your Father who is in heaven. And so all of a sudden you are shining a light upon God by just living your light as a, a light into this dark world. It tells us in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the very end of the age. And this was kicking off the church, right? Jesus before he ascends into heaven, he's given them instructions. You go to this place and just wait there. And there's going to be, once I ascend, then he can descend, meaning the Holy Spirit. He talked to them about this. And so when the Holy Spirit comes and lives within them, they are going to have this power. And let me tell you something. Our example, as we are letting the Holy Spirit work in our lives... Our example is super powerful. It really makes a huge difference in how other people choose to live. Uh, And so just live for him and you will influence. Here's the second word, and that is love. You love your neighbor. You you, You love the people that you have relationships with. You know, you do the best that you can to just serve them with your life. You know, when you see them in a need, you try to meet that need the best you can. When you see them in pain, you try to encourage them the best you can. When you see them in sorrow, you try to comfort them the best that you can. All because you love them. All because you're extending love of Jesus for them. Matthew chapter 22 tells us that... um, We are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And what is the second thing? And love your neighbor as yourself. And we are to put people as uh, very important. 1 Thessalonians 2, 7, it says this. uh, Verse 7, it says, But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Which means we were really looking out for your best interests, right? Because that's what nursing mothers who are taking care of their children do. They are trying to nurture and love and provide and everything that they can. Nothing else is more important for a mother than to take care of her own. And Paul is just trying to share with them how important these people are to him, these relationships. And he goes on in verse 8, he says, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were... Ready to share with you 
not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. So, obviously, we want people to know Jesus. But in order for them to know Jesus, they, we have to give of ourselves to these people in our lives. And they will feel it. The people that have influenced you the most in your life are the people that you have felt genuine love from in your life, that they really care about your well-being and what's going on in your life. And so we love. Here's the third thing is, in this strategy is that we pray. We ask God for divine, you know, appointments. Uh, we ask God for divine intervention into these people's lives, into our conversation. I want to read to you something in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. It says, Continually st- Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on the account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak, walk in wisdom towards others, making the best use of our time. Let your speech always be Gracious seasons with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And I just think that there's so much just in that little few verses there that really should encourage us, and that is that we continually pray. And what is it that we get out of that? We get out of it opportunities to be able to share, we get out of it, you know, um, knowing when those opportunities come and being aware of them, but we also get out of it knowing what we are to say in the midst of opportunities. And I don't know about you, but when you have, when you start your day with prayer, all of a sudden it just, it it affects the way that you think about the rest of the day. All of a sudden you look, you see opportunities that you would have never saw if you wouldn't have just spent a moment or some time praying about the day. Because all of a sudden you start seeing it the way that God sees it. You see that you're not just uh, being asked to uh, participate, you know, in somebody's life, but you're being asked to participate with God in somebody's life. And, all, and you have words that you would have not had any other, why, any other reason than because you had put yourself in that time of prayer. So prayer has a lot to do. You're asking God Almighty to be involved in the situation, and you're also... Uh, more likely to think the way that God would want you to think. Here's the fourth thing, and that is to invite. If you want to be effective in people's lives, you got to be somebody that is constantly giving them an invitation. You know, just like Jesus, what was he doing? Come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. What was that? It's an invitation. What was Paul doing when he says, Be imitators of me as I imitate Christ? He was given an invitation. And we should constantly be giving people invitations to, to rise up and to be more than. I know, like I said, we have a whole lot of teachers, and you're constantly, whether you're aware of it or not, you're constantly giving invitations to your kids, you know, an opportunity for them to rise up and to do a little better, to, to get, you know, this done or get that done or things of that sort. And, and you're just, and I think that that's so important for us to understand that, uh, that we, the people need that. 
an invitation. So what is it that we as Christians invite people to do? Obviously, we are inviting people ultimately to have a relationship with Jesus. But I think that we, every time we see an opportunity to invite people to be a part of what we do here, is an invitation that we should try to take advantage of. I think that's one of the things that's really cool about this Connect thing that we're trying to create is because ultimately we're trying to provide an opportunity for you to invite people into the Word of God. You know, just, just to be reading God's Word and letting God have a, an effect on their lives, you're inviting them to do that, to be in God's Word every day and to be around Christian people that they can share what they've been reading in God's Word uh, every day throughout the week. And it's an opportunity. In Acts chapter 2, verse uh, 41, it says, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were gathered, who were together, and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They were invited to be a part of God's family. And don't you know that you know and I know there's people out there that, whether they realize it or not, they are hungry for being invited to a place that they can find belong, you know, where they can belong and find contentment and love that is beyond anything that they're going to find in this world. Here's the fifth thing, and that is to share. Take the initiative to tell people your story. That's all that you really have to take with you is your story, how God has transformed you. I don't know. I, I, I guess I have to back up a little bit. How many of you knew who was talking up there when he was talking? Guy Dobbs? Dodd? Guy Dodd, I think says D-O-U-D, I think how he spells his name. He was a teacher of the year several years back, but he's just an amazing man. And the whole uh, speech that he gave there is just pretty, pretty neat. Um, but he talks a lot about just, well, even in this, this conversation that he's having with these people, he's, he talks about when he was just a little kid, just chubby, couldn't even see his feet, you know, and he's in the locker room trying to figure out how to put together this uh, uh, athletic supporter and didn't know how it goes on and, you know, blah, 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 and just how embarrassing it was and stuff like this. But he tells his story. Why? Because his story, he knows, will connect and relate to other people in his audience. Does that make sense? And it will eventually inspire him. But his story always eventually ends up at the Word of God, and somehow, in a way, he creates that he has God in his life. And so his story leads to that. 
And I think that we should all be telling our story of why we got here in this room. Why are we sitting here and listening to a sermon? And why is it that we want to be in the Word of God every day? What is it that that has transpired in our life that, that has done that? And we have to be willing to share that with others. Did you know that Paul, we talked about this in Sunday school, but he shares his Well, his story took place in Acts chapter 9. That was his conversion, you know, on the road to Damascus. Jesus shining a bright light and blinding him and, you know, his conversion. But then he retells that story in Acts chapter 22. And then he retells that story in Acts chapter 26. Why? Because his story mattered. It mattered to him and therefore it shows how much God matters to him And it helps people in their relationship with God and their story along the way. And so our story is so important for us to be able to share with others. Here's the the last, well, not the last thing, the sixth thing, and that is answer. We just need to be prepared to give an answer to the reason that we have the hope that is within us. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a difference to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. It doesn't mean be prepared to have all the answers. That's not what it's saying there. It's saying being prepared to answer anybody. Why do you have Jesus in your life? Why, why is he Lord of your life? Why do you go to church? Why is it that you don't go do this and you don't go do that? What keeps you being different than other people? That's what you need to be prepared to answer. And obviously, it would be helpful for you to know, you know, some Bible verses and be able to lead people to some things. And again, that's a whole other reason why we are wanting to establish this connect. Because we know that people who are in the Word every day have something to share with people about the Word. You see? When, whatever you are busy doing with your time, you are prepared to tell people about it. Whether you are a mechanic or whether you are a, you know, constantly looking at YouTube. But whatever it is that you are filling your minds with, you are getting yourself prepared to be able to talk to somebody about that subject. And that's what we need to be. Is be people who can answer and just talk about God in our life. Here's the last thing, and that is to follow up. And it's just this talking about building an, you know, an ongoing relationship with God and with other people to continue to have this connection with them. Um, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4, it says, For we know, brothers, beloved by God, that he has chosen you because our Gospel came to you not only in the word, but also in the power of the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction and the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you become an example to all of the believers in Macedonia and Arcadia. For not only has the word of God sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Arcadia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not to say anything. 
One of the things that I think is really cool about Paul is that he was constantly following up. You know what I mean? Like he, he was con- making con- uh, con- converting people into a relationship with Jesus and, and uh, calling them to leave their, their path life, past life um, in the past and follow Jesus. But he was constantly going back and just, how are you doing? How's it going? You know, and he was checking in on these people. And it's important for us to do the same thing. And to be honest with you, if you text somebody today, is a little bit of you playing that role of follow-up. And you're just encouraging and uh, making sure you're keeping those connections and contacts uh, important in your life. So, Charles Spurgeon, you know, he was an English uh, preacher in the 19th century, so a long time ago. And he was asked one time by a young leader, he says, how can I be used, this young leader asked him, how can I be used of God and to lead people to Christ? You know, how can I influence people? And this is what Charles Spurgeon told him. It was brilliant. He says, young man, set yourself on fire and people will come and watch you burn. It's so true, isn't it? You think, you think there's not people in our world that got that figured out? Set yourself on fire, and people will come and watch you burn. And, of course, what he was talking about is if you're an all-in person for Jesus, and people know that you are a fanatic, you know, like you are a Jesus freak, as DC Talk uh, used to sing the song, people will know. And they will come, and they will want to know, why are you acting so different? Why are you that way? When we are on fire for Christ, excited about his love, people are going to want to know, what's that about? it, It really isn't that difficult to make Jesus look good. We just have to make Jesus look authentic. They just have to see the real Jesus, and they're going to be interested. So our strategy is just that. It's just simply going through those little steps and trying to, the best that we can, be the best teacher that we can for people to see Jesus. Our objective should be the same as that that, you know, uh, Dr. Uh, Guy Dobb, Dodd, was like, and that is, I just want to be the best teacher that I can be. Next thing you know, this little punk kid, overweight kid that had such a hard time in school is now influencing thousands and thousands of people. Not just his students, now his students have grown. Just because that was his desire, his mission. And we should have the same desire for Jesus. It should be our privilege. It's like our birthright, right? Like, when we become a follower of Jesus, this is our mission, is to influence people. But it's our privilege to do that as well. Let me pray, and then we'll move into communion. Father God, thank you so much for the teachers in our lives. For we are sitting where we're sitting, because you have sent people to walk among us and along beside us to teach us, 
sometimes to rebuke us, to train us in righteousness. And we thank you so much, Father, for these people. We thank you for the example that they are in our lives, how they show us to live a holy and righteous life before you. Help us, Father, to strive to be this example for others around us, whether it's our grandkids or our kids, whether it's our Sunday school class, whether it's our classes at school, or whomever it be. Father, just help us do our part to make you look good in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.